Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of So You Want to Talk About Leadership, where I'm your host, Tony Miller Jr. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram. The handle is So You Want to Talk About Leadership. I have a special guest. She is back, my wife, Eleni Miller. Hello, you guys. She's back like she never left, and we had an interesting conversation on vacation last week, and we wanted to share that conversation with you and also get any feedback and different thoughts that you may have. And so what we were talking about was leadership, of course, and how people that are really, really good at what they do find themselves in leadership roles and not necessarily good at being leaders or not necessarily good leaders. In preparing for the episode, you know, I had the Did You Know segment where I dropped different stats. And so I was curious to see if there was any stats that supported this was it just anecdotal from our experiences or just what we typically see? And so what I found was in a careerbuilder.com study that 58% of managers say they didn't receive any management training before they stepped into their management role. And so what that tells me is that my wife and I, we were right. Most managers are promoted because they're good at what they do and they're not necessarily good at making the people around them better. And so a lot of leaders, they're not trained or prepared to lead people or to lead a team. I also found that 98% of managers believe that managers at their company need more training dealing effectively with important issues that go into their roles, such as professional development, conflict resolution, employee turnover, time management, and project management. And so we're talking to my wife about it. I just was curious and talking with her about why do you think that is that just because you're really good at what you do, we typically get promoted and, and thrown into these these leadership positions? I think on the surface, it just makes sense to do that. Think about it. Like, oh, I, I'm a teacher. So obviously that's the realm that I think in. But obviously, if you're great at teaching, go ahead. You should be a principal. You know, if you're a great student affairs professional, you should be a dean. You should be the president of the university. It makes sense. It's it's very an intuitive thing to do. It's very counterintuitive to begin to maybe look at those individuals who are competent at that position and look at other skills that they have. And so I think I think that's the big thing. It just I think it, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, but I also think that it's it's slightly irresponsible on the top leaders. And it's also kind of them taking the easy way out because, hey, Eleni's great at this. So let's promote her to be an assistant principal or let's promote her to be a principal or manager. But, you know, I think I think part of it is we think that leadership is inherent to a person's being, in a sense, a person is a leader or they're not a leader and they and. I think we attribute competence to leadership. If you're competent, you are a leader. And I think it really starts even at a, at a young age, this whole idea that, you know, leadership is more of a trait and less of a skill. I think about Trey and his school, you know, I, I sometimes think, oh, is he being a leader in his classroom? Which of course he could be a leader. There are traits that are inherent to us as beings that we have that could lend themselves to leadership, but never do I think 
or have I thought so far? And he's young. What skills can I develop in my son that'll make him a leader? Obviously, those are things we're going to think about in the future. But I guess I say all that to say, I think we are at this place as well because we don't really consider leadership something that can be taught. Yeah. And and see, and that's where my leadership philosophy is is different because you talked about the trait, which I believe as a society, we do, a lot of us, the majority of us believe that he or she is a natural born leader and they, and they just have it. And, and what I, and I don't think, I think leadership can be taught. I think leadership is a process and you can actually work at it. But in our world, if that person is charismatic, confident, assertive, if they're intelligent, exactly. if they're ambitious, they're, they're built to lead. And that's not necessarily true. And to go off your, your first example, and we'll, we'll use teaching because we're, you know, educated. but just because Mr. Mitchell can teach biology or science or social studies really, really well, doesn't mean that he's going to be able to lead teachers. Well, doesn't mean that he has the, the human skills, the social skills to be able to navigate conflict between a teacher or have a conversation with a parent when he usually just teaches, like he goes in and he teaches you biology, he teaches you science. And that's, it takes a different skill set to be able to interact with people on that level. And also in that position as, as a leader. Yeah. And I think what that means, what that means for us very practically is if if we want to enter leadership positions, we have to be very intentional about developing those skills. Yeah, we gotta be, we gotta be intentional. And I think that people want to be, they wanna be leaders, mm -hmm. but they also wanna make sure that they're prepared to be leaders. Because another stat from a Grovo study I found is that middle managers felt that 40% of managers were unprepared for management when they assumed the role. And then a staggering 87% of middle managers said they wished that they had received more management training when they first became a manager. And we were talking in the car and you were saying basically how society has kind of like, we feel the need to, exactly. to lead and, and we have to be leaders, a formal leader, not leader as in like the general term I lead in my area but i do think we have this weird obsession with being over people <laughs> i don't know it's something of, i i don't know if it's a it's a maybe a society thing or what but i think it's a status thing too because yeah, yeah, because this has this has nothing to do with leadership but it just got me thinking you know a lot of times we meet somebody new the first thing we ask them is what do you do? What do you do for mm -hmm. a living? And, and even when you don't, it just comes up. People try to tell you how important they are. Yes. And those are the most annoying conversations. Ah! Uh, it's something about that. It's one thing for someone to ask you like, Oh, what do you do? But for a person to try to prove their worth to you through their career, it's something about that. That's I'd say annoying, but more so sad. And I think that's kind of where we are, which is why we have so many people stepping into leadership positions that aren't prepared and that don't have the skills needed to actually do it, you know? And, and it sucks. It really sucks when you are 
working under a person like that. I've had the opportunity to work under great leaders, but I've also worked under people who were not equipped. And I'd almost say had no desire to be equipped (laughs) (laughs) and wasn't working towards it, you know, and that's always hard. It makes everything more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say we feel that pressure that because we're good at what we do, we need to step in and be a leader. We need to mentor. We need to, you know, reach back and and like you can do all those things, but you can do it from where you are currently in your role and not have that formal title, as you said, of being the leader. Unless that's something you actually want. If that's something you desire, then I think definitely push towards that, you know, intentionally, though. Yes. And and you talked about skills and I mentioned some traits and that's the thing. Like if you're not charismatic, like charisma is not a skill. That's just that's who you are. That's just kind of how you are being confident, being dynamic. Those aren't skills. That's just who people are naturally or just how they've kind of evolved in their environment versus with skills. You can teach skills like if somebody is terrible with people, (laughs) you can teach them. Right. How to be better with people, you know, and so I think there is a difference in in skills. And, and so, in my opinion, as I said earlier, I take the skills approach. That's my philosophy to where leadership can be taught. And there is there's like a three skill approach to leadership and there's different levels of different tiers. And, you know, there's three different skills. There are the technical skills and they are just basically just the knowledge about or the proficiency of a specific type of work or a way to do something. And then you have human skills where that's just simply, do you know how to work with people? Like, do you know how to get along, resolve conflict, things of that nature? And then there is the conceptual skills to where essentially you're able to, you're kind of like a visionary, you're kind of able to see the right. big picture, have yeah, vision and group and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Work with ideas and, and actual and concepts. And there's, and th- there's different levels in which those skills will be needed. So if you have like, let's say the entry level position, that person, they would need to be high in their technical skills because they're doing the work every day. Like they're on the ground working and interacting with people or they're putting the computer together or they got all the knowledge about the software and how to do this, how to do that. And they're also working with humans. So their human skill set has to be high as well because they're working with people. However, since they're an entry level professional, their conceptual skill level doesn't have to be as high because they're not making those big decisions the way that upper management is. And then you have where I think a lot of society and a lot of people that are, that listen to the podcast in that middle management area mm-hmm. to where, and that's a unique place because you're truly the the middle person there. So you're the vo- have to be great at everything. Yeah. You yeah. really, yeah. You really gotta be great at everything. You gotta know how the job gets done. You may not necessarily be doing the job every day, but every now and again, you got to, or you're at least training people on how to do the job. So you gotta know how to execute it. Since you're working with people, you got to have a high level of social skills and how to build relationships and cultivate and make people feel like they matter and that you care about them, but also have a high level of that conceptual skill, not as high as your supervisor or your supervisor supervisor, but you need to kind of understand the big picture a little bit so you can express and share the, the big vision, the big picture with those that you're supervising. And then you have top management where their technical skills aren't necessarily 
as important or as needed because they're not on the ground every day. They're not doing, they're not putting the, the software together. They're not working day to day in customer service from that regard, but they're working with humans. They're in the boardroom. They're having meetings. They're trying to cut deals. They're thinking about that. So they have to interact with the people that they're supervising. So their human skills, their social skills have to be pretty high when they're in those meeting rooms, trying to broker deals and relationships with different individuals. They have to be really high but their conceptual skills have to be on a different level because they're ultimately responsible for casting that vision and making it understandable and being able to share it with everyone from the top to the bottom. So everybody's working towards that one goal. And so those are just the different levels in which you can find yourself and knowing, well, Hey, I'm entry level. So these are the skill sets that I need to be pretty good in, or Hey, I'm in the middle. I need to kind of be pretty good at everything. And then if you're top management, it's like, hey, I don't necessarily do the work every day, but I know how to do it. But I need to really know how to work with people and how to be able to deal with concepts and ideas and be able to make it plain to people. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like the higher up you go in management, the less technical skills you need and the greater conceptual skills you'll need, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, and it's just that, it's just that simple. And I, and I think because leadership is so important and you can Google real quick and find that leadership training is a $336 billion global industry. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, wait, what, what are we missing? Like, how did we get, like, it's so important. We know companies are spending money on this, but I don't think the leadership development that companies are spending the I don't think it's on those particular skills of conflict management of how to manage time or projects or how to run a meeting. I think it's more business, like how to cut the deal, how to build relationships to get them to sign the contract. Right. It's not working on again, relationships and how to run a meeting, how to facilitate dialogue amongst your, your team members, how to include people who may be a little bit more introverted and, and silent. And, and I think something that we can do to help ourselves, to help prepare is really talk to our supervisors or talk to friends that we have that are in those higher level positions and understand what skill sets they have, understand what skill sets that we may need to develop so we can do that. So to go back to Eleni's example, if she wanted to be, if she wants to be a principal, one thing she could do is talk to her principal about, Hey, what does your day to day look like? Because as a teacher, you deal with kids all day. You're talking to, depending on what grade level you teach ages, I mean, from five to 18, but as a principal, you're not in the classroom. You're not teaching students. Like you see them in the hallway, but you're supervising, you're leading people. So if, if a teacher gets an email from an upset parent, then that, that principal has to navigate in a successful way. How do I support my employee who has done everything they're supposed to do, but the parent is still upset because the student doesn't have the grade that they think their student should have. So how do I support my employee, but not alienate the parent, but also make the parent feel heard and not alienate my employee and make them think that they've done something wrong. And so that's a skill set mm -hmm. that doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're charismatic or ambitious or determined. Like it's 
How do you, do you know how to deal with conflict? Do you know how to find a resolution by time to where all parties are happy to where we can work together to facilitate a, res a resolution that keeps everybody happy? And I really, are you saying that? I, I really think it's about being intentional. You know, it really kind of speaks to this idea of, of intentionality when it comes to, to developing those skills. And then I just think about this email example that you just gave. And I think this really kind of spans a lot of part, kind of goes across a lot of these ideas of, of developing the skills for leadership and some skills that you need. It's just this whole idea of emotional intelligence. You know, you're in a situation like this. That to me is a very practical skill that we can develop now. Being able to have great emotional control and being able to respond in a way that is beneficial to everyone in a party, if possible. Oh yeah. And you know, you know, emotional intelligence is, is one of my, you know, favorite things. And, and that's something that can be taught that mm -hmm. can be learned. And like you said, you can work on that every single and day. I think for most people, it has to be, it has to be something that you work on. Ego is a big thing, you know? And I, I do think, I, I think emotional intelligence is one of those things you have to be very intentional about um, practicing. It's a practice, almost like a muscle. The more you use it, the better control you have in a sense. And so that would be my challenge. That's always my challenge for myself. But but if you're out there and you're thinking, what's the first step I can take? How can I practically begin developing some of these skills? You know, dealing with people is hard. Mm -hmm. Emotional control, I would say, start there. Yeah, and, and, the, and for people that work in- Emotional intelligence. And people that work in customer service oriented fields, your emotional intelligence is more important than ever because you have to, you know, one domain of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. So you have to be aware of your emotions and what you're feeling in the, in that time, in that moment and understand how your response can then impact other people around you. And so if you respond in a negative way, how is that going to help the situation or is it going to actually make it worse? So you have to, as Eleni said, be in, really intentional and really take a step back and think about, hey, how will that impact you and them moving forward instead of getting in a yelling match or a screaming match with someone over the phone or in person where you're possibly making a scene or it's just not, just doesn't bode well for you and things aren't getting done. And so emotional intelligence is one of those, it's, it's a great thing and I would encourage you to to look it up i'm going to do an episode on emotional intelligence where i dive into just a brief piece of it and go to all four domains not just the first one but but yeah so if you find yourself in a position where you're great at what you do and it's kind of that, that double dutch back and forth of do i get into this leadership role or do i not ask yourself as ellen said do i really want to like is this really mm -hmm. something that i want and if it is what can i do to prepare now in order to be prepared when I get there. Yeah. And, and as you said, we were talking about, like, you're not going to be hundred percent prepared. You're going, there's going to be some on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the job training that you just, you know, you got to get, but, but have the courage to say, I don't want to be this formal leader. I want to stay in my current role and do what I do and just be good at it and help those around me. But I'm, but not be the go-to person to where everything doesn't fall on my plate and I'm and that's responsible. Okay too. Yeah, that's okay. And honestly, you'll find yourself 
probably in an informal leadership role already because you're so great at what you do and people are learning from you and you probably are the go-to person to say, hey, you wanna learn how to work this software, you want to learn how to handle this situation when it when it arises, go to that. that. That may be you and it's okay if that's you and you don't have to get the VP, manager, supervisor, the big title because you're happy and you're content and hey, and life's, life's good, you know, yeah. so. But if you want it, go get that money, honey. Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing, like sometimes we're motivated by the money because where we currently are, we won't be able to get too much more money. And so, because we want to change our lifestyle. And that's okay too. I think, I don't know. I know we have different ideas on this. What motivates you to do something. <laughs> but I just feel like we work in order to make money in order to live. So if money is a motivating factor for getting into leadership, I, you may disagree with me. I think that's completely fine. It makes sense. Hey, you have to take care of your family. That's it. But if you do it, just make sure you do it well and you're prepared and you're not just doing it for the money. And that's my philosophy. You know, don't do it for the money. Do it because you want to do it. You know, and obviously Eleni's thrown in, you know, she said originally <laughs> do it because you want to, but now she's like, Hey, if money, if money going to be the money, the reason why you want to, and I'm not, listen, Oh, have a heart for it. All that good stuff, of course. But Hey, that's a whole different conversation for a whole different day. Yes, 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 it is. But but pretty much, we just wanted to have that conversation, take y'all inside um, some of the conversations we have just about life and get your thoughts, get your perspective and really share our perspectives on it. Because we do see, and I'm sure you've all seen people who are great at what they do, but then they, be, they get promoted and they're not great leaders. And I say that to say, show grace, like be gracious to them because they might not have wanted to be a leader, but because they're great at what they did, they were put into that role because it was easy for the, for top management to put them, you know, in that position because they were good at what they do. And so they're trying, you know, or, or hopefully they're trying to learn, they're trying to become better leaders and understand how to lead people and, you know, get people towards accomplishing the common goal. But, but so, but it is what it is. So we just thank you guys for listening. Hope it was helpful for you. Hope you got at least a nugget or two out of there. And if it is you, we've told you what you need to do to make that next step to become a leader. So you are prepared as much as you can be. So Ellen, do you have any final words no. before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. I think you covered everything. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening again. Um, we'll see you guys next week. And as always, be the leader your peers need to see.